my wife, Courtney, and I have been married for 13 years. And um, you know, this morning I got in, I was getting ready for, you know, kind of putting um, touches on teaching. And, and the Lord was just kind of re- rewriting some of the, the way that I was intending to start this morning. And, and I was really just kind of struck by, by what God was doing in my heart, you know, I, as he was re- revealing to me that although we've been married for 13 years, I think for maybe the whole time we've been married, but, you know, at least for a part of it, I've lived with this small fear that, that one day she's just going to be like, I've had enough of you and just leave. Um, you know, I genuinely love my wife. And I love getting to do life with her, um, raising her kids. I love pastoring church family with her. And yet, at the same time, I have these moments where I'm just so dang moody. And, and I'm angry and I'm selfish and I'm rude and, and I don't want to listen and I don't want to talk. I get easily annoyed. And I think that I'm fearful that, you know, I'm going to have one of these, these moments and, and she's going to be like, I'm, I'm done. I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. And, and, and the Lord was just reminding me like that. I think there's that real fear in me. But the fear is not grounded in reality. You know, the reality is that for 13 years, I've not been a perfect husband. I love my wife. I, I want to be married to her. I've made that abundantly clear. I serve her. I'm, I try to be a good husband. I also have moments where I stumble and I struggle and I fall. And the reality is that the moments that I've come to my senses when I've genuinely come to her and said, oh, I'm so sorry that I was just a, a jerk last night. I'm so sorry that I was more interested in doing what I wanted. The, the consistent response from her heart, from her life has always and only been one of grace. That as I look back on our marriage, that there's never been one time where she's even given me the slightest indication like, hey, I'm fed up with you. You're done. That whenever I've genuinely come to her with a heart of repentance, it's always been, babe, of course I forgive you. And the Lord was just reminding me, you know, knowing this about my, my bride, my partner in life, I could choose to, to really take advantage of that. And I, that I could do whatever I wanted in life because I know at the end of the day, she's still going to be there. Or knowing that, that she meets me in my imperfections with just grace. Man, I could choose to give her my all, my heart, the best of my love, to serve her, to genuinely repent from my mistakes, to build a relationship that keeps getting better and better and stronger and stronger. And the Lord was just reminding me about our, our marriage this morning and so, how so often I treat God. That, that we have this God who is, is nothing but for us. He's proven it over and over and over and over again. And when we come to him in, in genuine repentance and sorrow, when we've messed up, when we've failed, his response is always in scripture to welcome us back. And yet I've been convicted because I'm going, man, as the church, I'm not talking about just this church, but maybe you fall in this category. So often what happens is that God shows us who he is and we choose to take advantage because we know that there, we can do no wrong, that God will never be fed up. And we just walk all over this God who loves us. The Lord was reminding me this morning, man, you have two choices with, with grace that's been revealed. You can squander it and take advantage of it, or you can let it come into your heart and change you. Our teaching series this fall has been called God Is, and we've been looking at these two verses in the book of Exodus 34 where, where God describes who he is and what he's like. 
So in verse 6 and verse 7 of Exodus 34, says the Lord, the Lord, or a better translation is Yahweh, Yahweh, which is the name of God. So when we talk about God, his, his name's not God, his, his, the name is Yahweh, the God in heaven. He says Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And he goes on to describe who he is, what he's like. And over the next several weeks, we're going to unpack these, this long list of adjectives that describe who God is. But today, this morning, we're going to hone in on the, the very first thing that he reveals, that our God is compassionate and gracious. And so I have two hopes for us today. The first is that, that this morning, that whether you're a deeply devoted follower of Jesus or you're, you're coming here to, because you're curious to know if Jesus is real, if he actually is as good as you've heard your friends talk about, no matter where you are in that spectrum, my hope is that you leave with this deep confidence, not just in your head, but in your heart, that, that God is gracious and compassionate. And so my first hope is that you leave with this confidence. But the second thing is that we would leave here with just this burning desire to live our lives in a way that pleases him more fully. You know, there's this really good book and this, um, this really good chapter in this really book. Good, <laughs> can't talk. Anybody else want to finish that sentence for me? What am I trying to say? There's a really good chapter in this really good book um, called God Has a Name by John Mark Homer. Have you guys read that book? A few of you guys have read it. Um, in it, he, he talks about the, um, the significance in the Hebrew language. Um, in particular, the Old Testament was written in the majority in Hebrew. And, and he talks about how order is incredibly significant in, in a list in, when, when things come in the Bible. And so the, the first thing that, that God says of himself, Yahweh, Yahweh, gracious and compassionate. What, what God is wanting to do, what Yahweh is wanting us to understand is that this is a defining characteristic, that, that, there's, that there's a higher characteristic, that this is supposed to carry more weight in our minds, in our hearts, that this is the very first thing that he is disclosing about who he is. In the book, John Mark Comer goes on to describe and to define these two words, compassionate and gracious. The word compassionate is the word rehum. In the Old Testament, it's usually translated merciful. And the root of this word, when you get into the etymology of it, it, it comes and it means female womb. And, and the idea is, is the feeling that a mother has towards her child. I don't know about you, it's not everybody's story, but my mom still thinks that I'm the greatest person on the planet. <laughs> and I have to convince her that I'm not, right? And, but, but there's something about it where, where you're, 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 a mom has this special affection. And I know that's not always the case. Some of you guys have crummy moms that, that didn't reflect the image of God. They didn't show to you, and I'm sorry that that was your experience. But, but the thing that, 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 that God is wanting us to understand is that when he looks at us, it's the feeling that a mother has for her infant child. Think about this, that, that God, you know, like when, when God looks at you, Nick and Abby, he, he feels things for you. That, that when God looks at you, it's not just this, this blank, it's not this, it's, it's a, a, a heart posture of, of, of feeling towards you, the way that a mom looks at an infant child. And I go, I think about this. The way that I've watched Courtney with, with our kids, and I, I love my kids. I'm a, I'm a great dad, self-acclaimed great dad. <laughs> but I, I watch the way that, that she cares for her, and it's just different. 
You know, the way that when, when they were little, she would wrap those, those, our babies up because she didn't want anyone else to touch them. You know, it's mom's way of saying, don't come near my baby. Like she protected them. There's something about, she hears the baby cry and she responds in a different way than I did in the middle of the night. I'm like, they'll be fine. Like just, there, there's something about the way that, that, that they feel and God wants us to, to understand. That's how I feel about you. And some of you, maybe you've never even thought about God having compassionate feelings towards you. Feelings of, of, of love and delight. It says that the word reum is compassionate. The word hanun is the word to show grace. It's, it's an action word. And I love this because what Yahweh is saying to us is, is if compassion is a feeling that God has towards us, grace is an action. And the consistent picture that we see of Yahweh in the Bible is, that, is that, that, that he doesn't just say that he's like this. He shows it. You think about this. It's, it's one thing to claim something about yourself. It's another when your reputation actually confirms it, right? So think about this. I was hoping my friend Garrett would be here this morning. Garrett and Kelly um, Bjork are part of our church family. Garrett grew up in Colorado. And, you know, Garrett loves to climb um, there, there was one Sunday in particular we were in that big room and one of the kids lost, you know, their balloons got lost up in the raft. And so he literally climbs up one. Any of you guys here for that? Did y'all see that? It was amazing. So, you know, a side story. Um, but Garrett in Colorado learned, you know, one of the things that he did is he cut down trees. That's what he did with his father. He's an arborist. And so um, I remember him telling me about this. Hey, yeah, I, I know I've done this for a lot. And so they came over for dinner one night and we're having dinner, sitting around the table, all of our kids are having fun. And I'm like, hey, dude, there's a tree in our backyard and it's a really massive tree and I'm scared it's gonna fall on our fence. He's like, let's go cut it down. <laughs> I'm like, when? He's like, right now. <laughs> He's like, do you have a chainsaw? I'm like, I do have a chainsaw. He's like, let's go for it. And so literally he goes down to the garage, sharpens the blade, makes sure it's tight. We walk out to where it is. And I'm worried that this tree, because it's, you know, there's no leaves on it. It's a big oak tree. I'm worried it's going to fall on the fence, fall on the tree house that we built. And, uh, and so he looks, he's like, this is where we're going to lay it. <laughs> With such confidence. <laughs> And he takes that chainsaw and he gets up there and he just starts cutting it. And, and, you know, all the sawdust is flowing all over his pants and his shirt. And he lays that tree down exactly where he said he was going to lay it down. And we, we walk up to the house. He takes his shirt off and he, you know, shakes the sawdust off like a boss, puts his shirt back on and walks in the house. And, and, and I'm going, man, it's, it's one thing to, to say you know how to cut trees, right? Maybe you've seen videos on YouTube of people who, who say they know how to cut down trees, but the tree falls on the house. It's, it's one thing to say, and it's another thing to show it. And the picture that we see about God over and over and over and over again, the consistent picture is that God is a God of compassion and grace towards his people. And you think about this. When, when do we actually need compassion and grace? Like, we, we need it when we're helpless. When, when we're hurting. And when we stumped, when we did that thing that we never thought, we, we never wanted to do, we got back into that sin that we thought we'd put to death. Man, do we, do we need compassion and and. and, and and grace when everything is going great in life and we're strong and we're healthy. Do, man, do we need grace and compassion when we're, when we're helpless? 
And I love this because what you see over and over and over again is that the thing that keeps people from experiencing the compassion and the grace of God, the only thing that keeps people from experiencing, you know what it is? They don't think they need it. When you understand that you, that you are incomplete without the work of God and what God gives, you open yourself up to receive the only thing that God can give. The, the creator of the universe who called the stars by name, who created in the same breath lions and elephants and giraffes and cats and, rat, and all these things, that same God, it looks at you with affection. And you see this over and over and over again. You see it in, in Genesis chapter 21. This woman named Hagar. If you go back and you read, if you know anything about the, the biblical narrative, this man named Abram, Abraham was the, the patriarch in so many ways, the patriarch of, of three different world religions, one being ours. We trace our lineage back to this man of faith who took God at his word. But Abraham's this ordinary man. God shows up to him and he says, I'm going to bless you through you. I'm going to bless the entire world. All nations are going to be blessed through you. I'm going to build up a nation through you. Abraham takes him at his word. God comes and says, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a child. And that promise comes to Abraham, but it doesn't come when Abraham is expecting or wanting. And so he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting and he gets impatient. And so he takes it into his own hands. Guys, what happens when we try to take things into our own hands? It always messes up. And so instead of waiting on God, he takes things into his own hands. And so, you know, his wife, Sarah, can't have a baby. And so, so he, Sarah gives Abraham her, her servant. Abraham has a baby through her servant. That's not a good idea. And, 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 and Sarah ends up being resentful and, and bitter and jealous of, of Hagar and her son. She sends him away. God brings him back. Sarah eventually has a, a child of her own. Sarah still can't shake the feeling, so she sends Hagar and Ishmael away again. And you see this in Genesis chapter one, that, that Abraham, he, he, he loads the donkey, he loads the car in the U-Haul, and he sends them away and says that they're wandering in the desert. Literally, they're, they're helpless. They're weak. It's a female slave, the product of, of, of someone else's choices. A, a, a woman who's, who, who finds herself without a father in the picture, Raising this kid by herself. She's in the desert, can't provide out of food, out of water, out of everything. And you know who took notice? God, listen to these words in Genesis chapter one. It's so beautiful, so powerful. God has heard the boy crying. The consistent picture of God is that he cares about his creation. He's compassionate. You see it with, with, with people like Hagar. You see it with the nation of Israel. Where over and over and over again, God's people just, like, they, they take advantage of God. They walk all over God instead of receiving his ways and his provision and, and changing and, and, and conforming their lives into his, the way that he desires. They keep doing things their own way. And God says all these things about his people in the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter four, verse one, he says, there's no faithfulness, there's no love, there's no acknowledgement of God in the land. Hosea chapter five, verse four, he says, there's a spirit of prostitution in their hearts. Chapter six, verse four, love this. Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. How would you like for that to be said of you? 
And so you see this, you look at God and he sees his people that are just wayward and forgetful. And yet, what does God say? Hosea chapter 11, verse seven. But how can I give you up? How can I hand you over? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. And so you see this picture of God in the Old Testament over and over. He's, he's compassionate, he's gracious. You see this in the life of Jesus. It's not just in the Old Testament. You see the consistent picture in the New Testament. On Wednesday night at House Church, we were talking about a story in Mark chapter 5 of this man named Jairus. He's a synagogue ruler, and his daughter is sick. She's, she's dying, and, and so Jesus is teaching, and, 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 and Jairus comes up to Jesus, and he interrupts. Jesus, hey, my daughter's dying. Will you come with me? And, and Jesus stops what he's doing, and he, and he goes with this man. Think about that. But what is Jesus teaching us in that moment? That, that he prioritizes people who come to him in need? That he doesn't just say that he's merciful and, and compassionate, but that he proves it. And so he, he goes with this man. And on the way, this huge crowd of people, he's trying to make his way through the crowd to, to get to this little girl to, to save her. And it says that this woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years, who'd spent all that she had, who had found no cure, there was no way out of the life, the suffering that she had, she knew that she could touch Jesus. She be healed. She finds her way. She touches him. Jesus goes, my power just went out from me. Who touched me? And the woman comes trembling for Jesus and she says, oh, it, was, it was me. And he says, daughter, it's your faith that's healed you. You know, in that moment, Jesus knew who it was. He didn't, he didn't need to, to say, hey, who was that? He knew exactly. He was doing it to show her that he is compassionate that he sees her suffering, that he sees her heartache. You see this all throughout scripture in the Old Testament, and the New Testament. And I was thinking, you know, it's, it's easy sometimes for us to read ancient stories and, and for us not to feel it ourselves because, man, let's be honest, it's different, right? That, that the context is different in the Old Testament. The context is different than when, when Jesus was in his earthly ministry. But I was thinking about, I, I want to share a story in scripture real quick of, of someone that, that is living just like us. Post-crucified, post-resurrection, post-ascended Jesus. Jesus is in heaven in the time of the Holy Spirit where before Christ has returned. What's a story of, of someone that, that is like us who experienced God's graciousness and his compassion? I thought of, of Saul. Acts chapter 9. Turn there with me in your Bibles real quick. Acts chapter 9. If you're using one of our Bibles, it's on page 765. Acts chapter 9, 765. This is the word of the Lord. It says that, that Saul was, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, it's just another way of talking about being follower of Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. I go, man, think about this guy. Some of you have heard this story before. Here's this, this persecutor of Christians, this man who is ruthless. He's, he's not just taking men, he's taking women. He's, he's marching to a different city. People who are following Jesus and he's going, I'm putting an end to this thing. I'm stopping this movement of Jesus. Verse four, or verse three, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? 
Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And skip down to verse 15. This is what, what, what the Lord says about Paul. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And I go, do you, do you hear that? Why in the world would, would God choose to, to, to treat a man like this who was, who was actively persecuting him, who was, who, was, who was stomping on his people, who was trying to put an end to it? Because that's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God who, who, who we serve is. A God who looks at us and he sees all that we're doing. And he chooses us. I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. I love uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Any of you guys Narnia fans? A few of you? Finley and I just read it a couple years ago. And, and I love it. In, in one of the books, the, the, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Lucy is on this island and she goes into to, to this house. And in this house, there is this book and it's a book of spells. And one of the things that, that she discovers is that she can say this, this certain phrase and then she can kind of be transported to, to any conversation that she wants. And so she, she says this phrase and, and she instantly gets to, to go around two of her friends. She wants to hear what they're saying about her behind her back. And, and so the, the, the she gets taken there and what she discovers is that her friends are talking, this friend's talking bad about her, saying hateful things about her. And it, and it hurts her. And, and, and guys, you think about this, because I think that we, we sometimes kind of have this disconnect where, but God sees every little thing. And how in the world is God not offended by us? He sees it all and he hears it all. And yet he chooses people like, like Saul who would become Paul. He chooses people like Brandon. He chooses people like, he chooses broken, messed up people. Why? Because we need him. I love what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Any of you ever felt that before? Literally, like I, I've had that same thought. Like, no way, Paul. No way were you a sinner than me. But listen to this. He goes on to write this. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. You see, Paul needed it. And some of you this morning, you, you need a fresh reminder that this is who God is. That God is compassionate and gracious. And no matter what you've been doing, his, his heart for you is not to turn you away. His heart for you is to bring you in. See, Paul never forgot that God was compassionate and gracious. It stuck with him. It, it changed him. And I go, think about that. How, how often do you really think about the, the wrongs that you've done to God? And I will like sometimes just, just think about the person that I was and the way that I was living a duplicitous life and how God and all of his grace and his compassion, he still chose me. And may we never forget our, our rebellion because our rebellion against God is actually the thing that, that proves to other people that God is merciful. If he could save sinners like us, he could save sinners like the world. I love 1 Peter 2, verse 24. It says, he bore our sins in his body on the cross. He paid for our sins 
so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. My heart is, my hope is that, that we leave with this confidence that, that our God is compassionate and gracious. But the second thing that I hope we leave with this morning is that, that we would live with this fresh desire to please him. I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, his grace to me was not without effect. Think about this. What, what does his compassion and his grace, what does that produce in us? Seriously, think about it. The, that you receiving the compassion and the grace of God for your sin and your rebellion and your hard heart, what has that produced in you? You know, for some, and maybe that's not us in this, in this room, but, but man, people hear about the grace of God and they cast it aside. They think, I don't, I don't need it. I don't believe in it. And so for some, man, they, they reject it. For others, man, well, you, you view God's compassion and grace as, 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 as a, a license to do whatever it is that you want. I had a friend in college and he had his dad's credit card, which was dangerous because he knew that he could just spend and spend and his dad was never going to say anything to him about it. He just let him do whatever he wanted with that money. And I go, some of you, this is the way you've treated God's grace that, that you just feel like, man, I, I can do no wrong. I can do whatever I want, live however I want. And, and you've treated God. You've, you've stomped on his grace. Some of you, maybe you've intellectually received his compassion and his grace, but if you're being really honest, there's no fruit in your life. Your life looks like anyone else's who's not a follower of Jesus. I go, the, the, the desire though is that when we receive his mercy and compassion, we want to live a life that pleases him. That it, it, in fact, it's, it's the, the burning desire of our lives. It's not to be successful in our career. It's not to make a lot of money. It's not to make a name for ourselves. It's not to be so, it's, it's, it's that we would know God. And that we'd spend the rest of our lives just, just saying, God, thank you for, like you've been saved from hell. The way that Jesus talks about hell in the scripture, it's a place of, of weeping and gnashing. of You've been saved from that. That though you are a, a rebellious sinner that goes your own way and you still do and I still do too, God chose to put all of our sin on Jesus in hopes that, that, that we, would, we would wake up, come to our senses, that we would live lives of righteousness. I tell you, a, 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 a tell in Paul's life, and he says this, his grace to me was not without effect. I'll, I'll tell you, a, a, a way to know when the grace of God is starting to fill your heart is that when you start to treat people like God has treated you. When you start to, to treat those closest to you. You know, and here's a, just a reality. Sometimes we are most awful to those closest to us. We, we, are, we are most, like, you would never in a million years treat your coworkers like you treat your family or your roommates. And I go, man, when, 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 when your roommate, when your friends, when they're inconsiderate, when they're rude to you, instead of just fighting back fire with fire, really taking a step back and going, man, is this their character? Why are they acting like this? What's going on? What is at the core? Man, when your spouse is, is, is in your ear, 
You go, man, is, is this who they are? Is this their character? Okay, what's, what's going on? What is, what is actually at the root of this? I go, man, are, are, are you as patient with your kids as the Lord has been patient with you? I go, man, that, that we would learn to treat those closest to us. I go, I think one of the greatest things that could be said about us is as a church family, if we could learn to treat those closest to us the absolute best. You know, so often what you see and what you hear is, 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 is Christians are, are hypocritical. And what they're getting at is that you live two different lives. And I go, so often that starts when, when in the public side we're living one way, but in the private places we're not living that same way. And my hope for us is that, is that God, man, when, when, when his grace to us would not be without effect, that we would receive this, this saving from and this saving for, and, and that it would come out in the form of the way we treat those closest to us, but not just those closest to us, that, that it would come out in those that we cross paths with. You know, I don't know the way God works, but God orchestrates things. That there are people that I believe cross your paths and, and God puts them in your path for a reason. And my path for a reason. And it's this opportunity to treat them the way that God's treated us. I think about yesterday, my son Jones is playing flag football. And we, 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 we go to start the game. And I can just tell the other coach, something is going on. You know, we, we, um, we go to um, center field and we're doing paper, rock, scissors. Kids doing paper, rock, scissors. And we win. And, and we win. The, and, and, and so the ref's like, hey, which... Um, which, which, you want the ball? Like, yeah, we'll take the ball. Which way do you want to go? And we're like, we'll go that way. And the coach is annoyed already. <laughs> he like, he, he says kind of this snarky remark. And I'm like, okay, something's going on. Um, we, we go for the first play and, and the ref had already told me, hey, he's like, hey, there's only, there are five kids here today on each team. Let's just play five on five. And so I told the coach, I'm like, hey, is it cool if we do five on fives? And he goes, peewee football is fours. And I'm like, all right, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know what is going on in this guy's life, but, but the Lord was just going, hey, do, do you want to fight fire with fire? Do you want to kind of rise up to his level? Like, you know, he, he's frustrated with his kids. He's frustrated at the game. I don't know what's going on, but there's something. And the Lord was just going, be kind to him today. And every chance you get, just, just show your kindness. And this crazy thing happened where as the game went on, he just started, like, literally at the end of the game, he was, like, being buddy-buddies with me. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> but you know this, guys. Like, so often, we just get caught up in it. We get, we get caught up in the trap, whether it's with your spouse or someone that you cross paths with. And, and instead of staying on the ground, staying level-headed. And so often, we stay on the ground God will use it to, to help people. I go, the, the people that we're going to cross paths with, do you realize how many people that, that, that we interact with every day that don't believe the same things that we do? They don't have the same values. They don't have the same morals. And, and I go, do, do people ever experience change? <laughs> like the, the change that they need when, when we act just like the world? No. They experience change when we show them the ways of Jesus. And I go, for, for, for us to understand that, that when we start to treat people like the way God treated us, not just those closest to us and those that cross paths with, but here's the real challenge. Those, those who don't do us right. And those who really hurt us. And, and it's easy to, 
you know, to, to forgive people that, you know, semi kind of step on our toes, when someone really hurt us. I was telling my kids this week, we were talking this morning, and Jesus stretched out on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them. And I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know the pain in your life, but I encourage you, man, to, to don't, not hold grudges. You gotta give those things to God because they'll, they'll deteriorate your soul. They'll eat away at you. And, 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 and I love one of the, the things that we have at our church is called Freedom Prayer. And, and I go, man, if, if you know that you've been burned by someone and not just like kind of burned, but like really hurt, like you've been really wronged, I encourage you to sign up for Freedom Prayer. That there is a healing, that there is a, a release that, that comes in that place where, where you choose to take the posture just like Jesus and go, oh, I've been hurt. Yes, I've been hurt, and so is Jesus. He was so hurt. He was so wronged. But life comes when you can give that to the Lord. And I'm going, guys, imagine what will happen when, when we don't just talk about the, the compassion and the grace of God, but when we receive it. You know how, how lighter, how much lighter you live when you really believe that your, your eternal salvation is secured? That the God that you're talking to when you pray at night, that the God that you read about in scripture is the God that you will spend eternity with forever and ever and ever. I talk about this with, with, with our family. When's the last time you thought about what heaven's gonna be like? I'm like, you're gonna get to ride a lion in heaven. Like, you're gonna have all the time in the world. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna discover the delicious way that, that apples from a tree are supposed to taste like. Like you're going to enjoy your work where there's not going to be marked by, by thorns and thistles, by heartache and struggle. You're going you're gonna to experience what life is going to be like. You're going to, to see colors and sounds and smells. You're going to get to experience things in heaven that will blow your mind and comprehension. And, and you've been secured in that. At the center of all that is Jesus. The one who's waiting for you, the one who loves you more than anything. I go in for, for us to, to, to let our hearts be, be taken there where we believe we have a confidence in the mercy and the compassion of God, but we don't just receive it for ourselves, we give it to others. And my encouragement for us this morning is let's not be a church that, that takes advantage of, of who God is. God was vulnerable. He moved closer. He, he opened his heart. He says, this is who I am. I'm gracious and compassionate. And, and may we not take advantage of God and use that as a license to do what we want, but may that bind our hearts to it. May God use us to help the world experience the mercy and the compassion of God. Here's what I wanna do. Right now, um, we're gonna take communion. And the way that we do this as a church family is that we like to take communion in community. And so I encourage you with someone around you, a couple of people around you, and you don't have to do this if you don't feel comfortable, but, but there's something really powerful about um, opening up and sharing with the people that you're sitting next to. And so we got a, a question that we're gonna put up on the screen. You know, where do you need God's compassion and grace? But not just where do you need it, who do you know that needs it? And so let's take a minute and, and answer these questions. As you're answering these questions, you can take the bread and drink the juice. And then after five or six minutes, I'll get back up and I'll close this out in prayer and I'll send this into a time of, of worship as we wrap up today.